Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Narthex podcast. I am your host, Adam, joined by my co-host. You, uh, you came out strong with that uh, intro. You just, kind of made yourself seem pretty important there. Yeah, well, I almost I'm said... I'm Brian, yeah, Adam's I almost, co-host. I almost said... Uh, I almost said, I'm your host, Brian. Oh, see, I like the ring of that. Yeah, you, you want to try it? All right, we'll do it again. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Narthex podcast. I'm your co-host, Adam, joined by... Uh, your co-host, Brian. Oh, I thought you were going to say host, Brian. All right, yeah, <laughs> never mind. All right, so uh, it's been a while. Uh, we did... Yeah. Uh, another uh, so now we're on to season three. No, um, we'll still call this season two. We released another episode kind of quietly, I, or at least I did. With what do you mean? Yeah. yeah, what do you mean we? Yeah, I did that with uh, my my boy Jeff. We did his. Guess your your new co-host. No. Make me a producer or something. Take me off the air. Is hey, that what's happening here? Producers make the buku dollars. Um, except I'm no. still the one who does all the audio editing. Now we did. Uh, I did an episode with Jeff for his church history project for his seminary, uh, which I'm going to be completely honest. I forgot the name of, um, but we talked about, we talked about the differences between, um, I don't even remember what his denomination is now, but his denomination, sounds riveting, which isn't really a denomination from what I gathered and uh, the reformed denomination and i use that loosely because i just kind of went with like dutch reformed in general so we compared those two things and now it's time for my church history project uh which brian has been gracious enough to come alongside and help me with uh so this one's free oh should i should i say his name I don't know if he'd like that. Probably not. He doesn't want to be associated with it, probably. No. And uh, Generally, people of intellect <laughs> don't like to be referenced by yeah. us. Yeah. yeah par- <laughs> Parler's uh, academia points have uh, really taken a like – that stock has taken a downturn since we started mentioning Although, really. uh, I think the only reason we haven't appeared on Parler's podcast is he is afraid of our intellect. So, yeah, we're still going to go with that. Um, yeah. Parler, I mean, that's what I'll tell myself. Parler, quit being a coward. Um, yeah. Let, let us evangelical thought leaders on your podcast. Uh, yeah. Which you what also. Are you afraid have. of, Parler? They also haven't released an episode in a while. So. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there. Because um, they're intimidated. Yeah. Right. They know. We bring the heat. So mm. we should get down to it because uh, my professor does not want this to be too terribly long. And yeah, he's got a lot of other stuff to do. He's got a lot of important stuff to do, like training up pastors and church planters and global leaders and all that. So, uh, good yeah. Day. So you are uh, you're doing church history project. Yeah, and I'm sure you've learned lots of fascinating information throughout the semester. Yeah. Um, but one trend we've kind of noticed is that more and more people, uh, especially some younger people, are flocking to these older, more orthodox uh, denominations and, and ways of doing church. 
So what's the deal with that, Adam? Yeah, yeah. So these sort of historically rooted and grounded um, denominations like Eastern Orthodox churches and Roman Catholicism and uh, just talked with with a with an old friend Caleb about Anglicanism recently and uh, yeah so those darn Queen lovers um, the band not the lady Ooh, yeah I was gonna say um, who doesn't love Freddie Mercury right um, so yeah uh, and a lot of that has just been I what Caleb and I talked about and what I've talked about with a um, and I have an Orthodox priest friend and um, just sort of the the literature out there like from Barna and whatnot suggests that a lot of uh, a lot of evangelicals today and uh are are digging deeper they want to go back um i like to quote uh an older church history professor i used to have uh dr felch he uh he said that too many evangelicals today believe uh, or because of their lack of knowledge of church history, um, function as if the Bible fell out of the sky 50 or 60 years ago at a Billy Graham crusade. And that's how oh. we got Christianity. So, um, and I think, uh, and, and, and again, there, there's a lot to, to back this that I can't cite. So you can tell I'm super academic, but mm. enough supporting that, this hasn't been sustainable. Uh, this sort of ahistorical um, life of or live it like or faith, right? Like we we don't really know much about church history. Um, we don't really know much about how we got here. For some people, it's well, I just grew up in the church, so I've always been a Christian, and that's about the extent of their church history is going back to their old home church. Um, people like me who don't really have like a connection. Uh, like I grew up Catholic, but I wasn't really that involved with anything. And so I couldn't tell you anything about anything with that church. I don't even know if I can name any names from there other than my grandmother. And so uh, there's been this desire to, where did we come from? Where did we go? Uh, Cotton Eye Joe. Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> um, and, okay. so, uh, and to give us something deeper, much more rooted and grounded um, and not as flimsy and part of that i think is also stirred on by or spurred on by um people who leave the faith because they don't see any legitimacy to uh christianity historical legitimacy and uh for arguments for christianity that seem rather flimsy um and so thinking just the theology that comes out of the early church uh when just thinking like there's this robust theology of like the trinity um, because they had to, they had to know how to defend this. So they defend it really well. It's very well thought out, very carefully uh, put together, very precise language. And um, what what we run into when we get into sort of modern day arguments about a number of topics, um, our arguments start to break down really quickly and they're not as carefully put together. And so just sort of using the Trinity, um, theology of the Trinity as an example, but just very carefully put together theology, very well thought out um, and stuff. And so we get more biblical language um, to uh, seek sort of this God that um, when you really press 
evangelicals today can only sort of vaguely name things about him or like have this sort of uh, grayish, like interchangeable. They refer to God and Jesus sort of as one person. Um, Cause if like you'll listen to somebody talk and um, they might start by saying, well, God and blah, 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 and Jesus and blah, 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 blah. But they really haven't changed sort of what they're talking about, but yet they've changed the person that they're naming in, in that. <clears throat> so we start to get like a much more solid language when we, when we dig into the theology of the church fathers and, and take. Okay. So do you think it's that foundation and system of belief that is appealing to people or is it the, the liturgy and kind of the culture of these yeah. uh, old school denominations? So some of that is there too. Um, so thinking of like the practices and um like worship practices and all that. And uh, there's definitely something to it. Like we're exhausted, right. Of the, the Hillsong movement, the CCM movement. Um, uh, it's too sentimental. Uh, it's kind of bad. Uh, it's like really bad pop musicians. Hot uh, take alert. What up? Is that a hot take or is that just a take? You know, just, just say bam, hot take. Um, mm after everything no we're we're exhausted with it where it's sentimentalism uh it's pretty pretty vanilla language that gets used in a lot of ccm and uh for especially millennials uh looking for something much deeper much more solid uh they start digging into i i remember just five or six years ago it started with people just looking at maybe we shouldn't have gotten rid of the hymns and maybe we should recover the hymns. And then a lot of those people have now made that step towards like, maybe we recover liturgy and um, these rooted practices instead of haphazardly thrown together worship services or um, why, yeah. does our, why does our church only do communion once a month or once a quarter or mm. twice a year? I know our, uh, our worship director has gone through our hymnal and selected like, a few dozen of the best hymns from that and is regularly incorporated into our worship. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of really great hymns that are really rich and awesome. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of really bad hymns and there's some really funny ones. Yeah. But I, it's almost like no matter what era there's going to be in, there's bad things. (laughs) What I think. Yeah. And I think that's part of like some of the problem is that we just try to throw the baby out with the bathwater which is funny because I just gave my kid a bath tonight. But um, it's not that funny. It's funny to me. Have a kid. <laughs> I understand. Okay. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of CCM today that's really good, but there's a lot that's really bad. And unfortunately, churches get oversaturated with the stuff that's bad. Um, not careful enough picking. And so, yeah. And then thinking other practices, like I said, just um, – taking communion more seriously, taking the gathering of the body more seriously. It's not something we just consume. Um, it's something that we submit to and that we actively take part in. And um, I think there's something beautiful with that. And even thinking uh, spiritual disciplines that are rooted in church history, um, which, you know, if you run some, some of the, like some spiritual disciplines past uh, evangelicals today, certain, certain groups, they would think you're kind of mixing mysticism or like Eastern religion with Christianity. Thinking like meditation. Yeah. Yeah. And like thinking, you know, you're sitting there with music on in the background and you're 
you're meditating on your day, kind of doing an, an examen, you know, and uh, people will think like, well, that seems pretty wonky and hippie. Yeah. And so, but really if they were to look back at their own family tree, um, they'd see this is something deeply rooted in the church. And I think part of that, I think is just a backlash to, cause eventually it just became a, a meme, right? Like the Instagrammed quiet time. Uh, oh my God. The, <laughs> the Bible, the cup of coffee and like a cute, oh my God. And like a highlighter or something. And, and it's in black and white. And so I think like that just, again, that there's no substance there. And, uh, and, and we were digging for something deeper than just quiet time and quiet time is still good. And there's different ways to do that. And that's part of uncovering these, these historical practices. And then thinking just sort of the emphasis the early church had, um, which carries through in a lot of these historic denominations, sort of this way of life, the way of Jesus and the way of death for, uh, or sin, um, and what that means for discipleship and, and, um, intentional discipleship. If, uh, I think of just kind of evan- evangelical, like modern language lang- around discipleship it sounds very like systematic and very um, uh, sterile almost. And when you look at the early church, it was very, it was very much rooted in uh, the life of Jesus and in intimacy with Jesus and committing um, to this life with a body of believers. And so there's that emphasis and that that commitment meant living in a way that reflected the gospel reflected the way of Jesus and um, which you know pulls out sort of those disciplines again how we worship um, and, and taking uh, what we believe about this God we claim to be in relationship with this Jesus um, this this Holy Spirit we claim is is active the this Trinity um, what we believe we have to know it pretty well um, and so certain things with that get emphasized love God and love neighbor that comes out a lot in, in early church writings. Um, you know, Augustine talks about, um, through preaching and you may miss the mark sort of with what a passage is actually saying, you know, you may not know, like you may miss the, you know, whatever the true context is, but if what your congregation walked away uh, knowing and and encouraged to do better is love God and love neighbor, then you've hit your mark. It doesn't matter if you didn't get the context right or if you didn't parse a verb right or something like that. Just if your people walked away loving God and loving neighbor better, that was good enough. So, Well, um, that's good because I never parse verbs right. All right. So. Yeah, as we know. so and i think this this comes out of a reaction again again sort of like this reaction against uh all of this stuff and so this this longing for deeper discipleship is sort of a reaction against moralistic teaching um or even uh you know sort of soft fluffy social justicey teaching that yeah isn't really rooted in the gospel and so um you know, you can advocate for for uh, refugees, but if you don't actually love your neighbor well, um, we may get refugees to stay and, and to not be locked in cages, but what have you done to love that neighbor well? And so otherwise it's just sort of emptiness. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a, there's a lot, and it, there's probably a lot more, and, but it's pretty complex why people are seeking these historic denominations. But I think that's a pretty okay. So I think that's a a good bit on I guess in general what we see around us. But maybe let's turn the focus towards you a little bit. I don't. Like um, this. Yeah. Well. It's my project. So we're done then? <laughs> no. Um, all right. So what virtues has this study of church history encouraged you to focus on? Uh, zero. Do you <laughs> No. You're going to ace this project. No, I'm going to nail it. Uh, no. So virtues, that's a, that was a tough one thinking of. Um, and I think the biggest one is sort of uh, patience, which seems pretty easy, but patience is is real like i think i think in the last couple of years i've been really like antsy and like frustrated with the i guess specifically sort of the denomination we find ourselves in and uh the situation it's in and i just really am like why can't you just be done with this decision and we move on and we get over it and then I look at these early church writings and I see how all this time spans and even thinking of certain, uh, like when councils were called, they weren't, it wasn't like general synod and how our, our general synods today meet for a week every year. These councils would meet for as long as needed, which could be six months to a year. Um, Dang where all these these pastors and and bishops are gathered to try and hash out these theological um issues and these biblical issues and and what the church should think and and believe on these things and i just think man they're really you know they're committed to this and and even then the work leading up to these councils would would be a long time so it's like these it's like finally they had to sit down and really parse through everything that was out there and so when I think of how we got stuck with this two-year committee, even though I'm not super stoked with their, where they arrived at, but two years, pretty long time. And, and I understand them needing that time now. And I understand that it, you know, people complain about how we've been kicking the can down the road for 10 years, for 15 years. And I think, yeah, we've been doing work around this topic for 10 to 15 years which has ultimately led to this council or committee meeting for two years to sort through this all and to figure out um, what, what the church should believe on this or how the church should move forward with this. Um, even though I'm, I'm not super happy with where they arrived. Um, it's suddenly I have yeah, a race with it. So it probably would be easier to accept if you you did like where they landed right and yeah, it makes that yeah. time but i yeah. see what you're saying then I, then and I as someone like, yeah, patience is fine but now yeah like, oh, i had to learn like sort of this patience and waiting with this so and as someone who's known you for a few years now i would <laughs> uh i would i i find some joy that you're working on patience that's good for everybody i think yeah because yeah. i like very much i'm like we gotta get things done now we gotta discipleship should be happening now discipleship should be done now like uh yeah you know and even thinking of i, I don't know trying to find a balance as well because it's like you know dealing with people who have been christians for 10 years and you're like man 
I wouldn't even know you were a Christian at all. <laughs> like, yeah. How, how have you been a Christian for 10 years or 20 years? So I'm um, trying to find that balance of like, yeah, I'm frustrated, but how can I love my neighbor better and, um, and see their, their walk with Christ and uh, um, move, move a little bit more down the road of discipleship and uh, to reflect the gospel more, but, but patience, it's huge. And so, um, and learning okay. again, like we're at a specific moment in church history and eventually somebody will be looking back at our moment and thinking, why didn't they just figure it out? Or, wow, that's crazy how it took them 20 years to sort through this topic. So, yeah, so that's, that's one virtue. Okay, right on. Um, how has your study of church history changed your view of things like preaching or pastoral care? Yeah, so um, my teaching this year definitely took a little bit more of a different turn, thinking of how, especially in the youth ministry world, um, it doesn't, like my preaching or teaching, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't just come to sort of a nice and tidy moral conclusion. Um, and it's, and it doesn't hinge on my own cleverness, which are kind of some things I'd always known, but, um, really kind of, I guess, I guess we're re-upped on this year and, uh, give okay. a more backbone to say like, no, it's not just that. Know, I'm uber reformed and going to rail against uh, moralistic youth ministry teachings, but rather lean heavily on, again, that point of how do I get my students to love God and love neighbor better by living more closely in the way of Jesus? And how do I show them this way of Jesus? Um, yes, I should be showing them with my own life and how I walk with them and whatnot, but how am I communicating that verbally as well? Um, and so, and, and inviting them into this way of life and out of the way of death. And so that's, it's really shaped it that way. So. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Um, I'm going to skip one question because I'm very curious for this uh, one. Uh, what has it encouraged you to repent of? Ooh. I think the, all of us are on the edge of our seats for this. Yeah. So, um, again, nothing. Uh, <laughs> I am an evangelical thought leader. Yeah. I, I have vaped with Beth Moore in the shack. So <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that out because uh, no yeah. podcast is yeah, yeah. sue us um, for taking their material. No. Uh, so one of the things I was really convicted of uh, and we had sort of talked about it a few weeks ago, how we tend to romanticize like martyrdom for Christian faith. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thinking like, well, where there's persecution, the church grows. And it's like, well, you had brought up uh Dougie fresh said, um, <laughs> Dougie fresh. Yeah, the church actually dies where there's persecution because people are literally dying. And um, mm -hmm. in the early church, the church still spread like wildfire um, yeah. it's a persecution. Uh, but there was sort of, and even though it wasn't huge um, by any means, but like the church that did exist did not only just grow just because people were like, Oh, these, why are we killing these Christians? What do they believe? Blah, blah, blah. And suddenly they like, 
you're converting people that way, but rather they were so again, rooted in the gospel that they had to be a little bit exclusive with their church or with the church. Mm -hmm. And so thinking of, um, so it was costly, right? It cost you something to become a Christian. Yeah. And, um, what, so thinking of, and I just talked with somebody about this sort of over Twitter, but you know, if you wanted to join the church, you would have to become a catechumen. And part of the initial interview or like the interrogation would be like, yeah, you want to be a Christian and follow the life of Jesus, but you're a Roman soldier and that's incompatible. And what it meant to be a Roman oh. soldier at the time was incompatible with the life of Jesus. Or you have multiple wives um, that's incompatible with the life of Jesus. And so they were very much like you have to repent of this life. You have to turn from this old way of life to, to take part in the life of Jesus. And then when you became a catechumen, you didn't just like, you didn't attend like three classes and then you could become a member, get baptized, start taking communion. It was like three years of discipleship. Oh, dang. Um, and part of that was like every morning you showed up wherever you had to show up and scripture was read and you, you listened to this, you memorized it yourself and that's what you did. And then there, and there's more to it. And like, but it's so crazy. They would like make babies do this. It's so like, I just was thinking like, what, what would it mean if like I had to like every day take Soren to catechumen class and like, she can't, she won't probably remember any of it until she's like three years old, maybe, but like <clears throat> for three years, she sits there around other people being discipled in the life of Jesus from like, from whenever you start bringing her till she's like three, three and a half. And I just was like, that's intense, but that's also beautiful. Yeah. And so, so it costs you something. You had to turn from your old way of life to 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 join this church and people didn't view it as a bad thing they viewed it as what is this strange community that is loving each other so well that takes care of each other that takes care of people that aren't even their own right and um yeah and so i don't know and so it drew people to it and um but then so getting back to the sort of what to repent of is when Christianity is finally accepted, um, the, the Christian life becomes cheap and it becomes um, soft, essentially, but it becomes cheap. And I remember my professor saying that phrase, that life is cheap, you know, like um, amongst, the, amongst the pagans, and, but amongst the, when it becomes cheap amongst the Christians, and it's no longer costly. In fact, it's socially advantageous for you to be a Christian. And um, I just think of how, how, like, I'm trying to every day become a little more aware of how I've maybe syncretized modern American life with Christian faith. You know, how have I made it okay to be, you know, a Roman soldier and a Christian? How am I, oh. how am I eating a cheap, christian life 
um, and what so, things need to get uprooted and that I need to repent of in order to follow Jesus much more closely and much more intimately. So, okay. So you're looking at more and more, how do I be conformed to Christ? Yeah. And uh, what am I, what am I not willing to give up at this time? Yeah. And what, what is that, that I need to, that needs to get uprooted that I need to repent of in order to, to follow Jesus more closely. So, yeah. And so I don't have like one answer, but it's definitely, I don't know. It's just, just a lot, lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully more. You giving up smoking barbecue meats? <clears throat> Absolutely not. Cause, uh, okay, good. Cause I yeah. feel like that is the early church loved, loved a good love feast. So mm, it's practically I, a sacrament at this point. I think I do love a good love feast. And I think if brisket is not, well, no, I listened to a guy give a talk where he said you were there. Lance when he was like uh heaven is gonna be a big barbecue pit. So Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. All right on. Uh time for one more. We gotta wrap up. Uh actually I have no idea when we started. So um eh, we can maybe do one more real quick. Okay. Actually it's been about Yeah, I think it's been about twenty minutes. And yeah. I think I covered some of the stuff in here anyway. So for listeners, we actually did show prep. Yeah. Well, I did. Yeah. I mean, I read your prep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you did do preps. Technically, I prepped. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's pretty good. Hopefully, I answered things well enough, and hopefully, I get a pretty good grade. But we'll see. Uh, I will vouch for you. Um, I have a I have very little pull, but I will use yeah, it. He, he's told he's told <laughs> me about you in class. Oh. No, he. Oh. Hasn't. He hasn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah that, that was worse yeah you're not even uh, okay let's wrap this sucker up then yep uh thank you for listening to the narthex podcast with adam and brian uh you guys can find us on itunes right itunes anywhere podcasts are available all right um, shout out to Anchor because we use Anchor to do stuff and it's a pretty cool podcasting app. Please uh, give us a like. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, leave us a review. Um, we would prefer five stars, but we understand if it's less because we've met us. Uh, thanks for listening. This was the Narthex Podcast.